Amen. Walk worthy of the Lord. That's a good message right there. How are y'all doing today? Everybody all right? Give me, give me the nod if you're all right this morning. All right. Hey, hey. I'm glad that y'all are all right. That, um, you know, this evening we're going to have a, an opportunity to be with some missionaries um, Eric and Marilyn Lofsgaard have been in Nicaragua for the last 18 years, and about once every five to seven years, they are able to come to the U.S. and spend a little time, and the only time that we could get together was on Sunday evening, and so uh, tonight we're going to meet in the fellowship hall, and uh, if you want to join us, we would love for you to come and join us. It'll be an informal time uh, where we can uh, hopefully just bring some little uh, finger foods or snacks or whatever, mini sandwiches, whatever you like to bring, and we'll just put it all on the table, and whatever you bring, we're going to eat, okay? If you bring cookies, we're going to eat those. If you bring, oh, God, I don't need to go into detail, but the idea is we just want to get together and spend some time fellowshipping with them, and they're going to give us an update while um, we're there tonight on uh, the ministry that's going on there in Nicaragua, so I hope that you will come and be a part of that and, and uh, enjoy that time, but um, I would like us uh, to go to the Lord in prayer, and then I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 5 this morning, and, uh, but let's go to the Lord in prayer first. Loving Father, we thank you for waking us up this morning, for bringing us to this place, this place that is set aside to worship you. And Father, we know that in and of ourselves, there is nothing that we can do. But Father, with you in us through your Son Jesus, through your indwelling Holy Spirit, Father, there is nothing that is impossible for you to accomplish. Father, I pray that you would prepare our hearts, that you would open our hearts as we look into your word. Father, that the truth of your word, that the Holy Spirit would use that in our lives to convict us. Father, that, that that it would bring us to a place of repentance. Father, that we would want to be all that you created us to be. And Father, that we would submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. Father, that we too might walk worthy of his sacrifice. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you do. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You know, the, the Sermon on the Mount, um, we read about in, in um, Matthew chapter 5, it was not given to provide guidelines for the unbelieving world. It was given to provide a description of the characteristics of the citizens of the kingdom of God. When we read through the, what we call the Beatitudes, when Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, he was speaking specifically to his disciples. He also is speaking to us as his disciples. But he's not speaking necessarily to the unbelieving world. He's talking to us. He's talking about those virtues, those uh, that we that call us forth, that we, we commonly call the Beatitudes. I want to begin reading in Matthew 5, and I want to read down through verse 13. 
And this is what it says. It says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. See, these Beatitudes were not just some you know, pretty, pious platitudes, something that we, we think of maybe an ideal. They, they constitute a vivid description of the qualities that are to be found in the followers of Jesus Christ and in the kingdom of God. See, those who possess these spiritual characteristics will provoke a response to and from the others around them. Because you see, people who are not right toward God, they will want to persecute those who are living out these beatitudes. I mean, that's what it says in Matthew 10. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. See, kingdom-minded people they will have a wholesome effect on those who are right toward God. They will lift that up. They will, they, will, they will lift the light, serving as salt on the earth to the people around them. This is the, 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 what we need as believers. We need to be that salt and that light. See, our Lord describes the negative and the positive responses of the unbelieving world towards his disciples. But listen, the Beatitudes are impossible to live out in private. You can't do that by yourself. You can't do that in your home by yourself. They're powerful and they're social and they're outward. That's what it takes. You see, Jesus is a master communicator. He tells these stories. He used common experiences and, and, and objects to communicate great truths about God, about who God is, about what he has done, and about the various roles and responsibilities. See, salt was common. 
It was something that was found in in Jesus's day in their world, just as it is in our world. Salt was a very significant metaphor that Jesus used to describe the nature and the function of the church. That we, those who belong to him, are to be salt and light. See, in those days, people living close to the sea could obtain plenty of salt. And people living inland couldn't get it quite as readily, and so they would use it to barter back and forth for other things they needed. Part of a Roman soldier's pay was given to him in salt, and it was called a salarium, from which that Latin word, we get our word salary. They were paid sometimes in part in salt. So we understand why salt was considered valuable. But the fact is that Jesus expects his church to function as the salt of the earth. So, so let me ask you, are you like salt? We think of salt, you know, we think of it as just being maybe a condiment that we put on, on vegetables and stuff to make them taste better. But the church as salt is very valuable. The church is valuable to the heart of God the Father and to the living Christ. And it is through the church that Christ continues his work in our world. So as salt, we are very valuable to God. But notice Jesus didn't tell us we should be like salt. He didn't tell us to be the salt of the earth. He said, you are the salt of the earth. What a statement. What a statement that you are the salt of the earth. I love that. See, few people would want to live in a community where the influence of the church is not felt. I mean, Jesus calls us to behave like what true disciples of his are in the world. I mean, it would be difficult for us, especially in the Western world here in North America. It would be difficult for us to be full, to fully evaluate the value of the people of God on our on our customs, on our government and on our life in general. And the reason we have trouble evaluating that is because we grew up here with this all around us. But if you came from another country where God was not honored and you saw the churches, you saw people actually loving one another and caring for one another and doing things differently than they do them in the world, then that's functioning as salt and as light. See, as salt, the church is essential to the world's well-being. I mean, our Lord used this metaphor to describe the church's simple but very essential function in the community. Think about salt. You don't always see salt when it's in a food. It's hidden. But the other thing is salt must make contact for it to do any good. It's both and. 
not either or. We can't stay hidden inside a church building. We must make contact with the community around us. If we're going to do any good, if we're going to be salt. You see, salt is symbolic of the believer's inward character. And salt performed a number of unique and significant functions. The first one is salt is used as a condiment to, to add zest to food. You know, when we eat our vegetables, we like to put a little salt on them. I do. Maybe you don't. I don't know. Yesterday, I, I smoked a brisket. You know, one of those big pieces of meat. Well, I, did, I put it in the smoker. I didn't smoke it. I smoked, <laughs> smoked that brisket. But before I put it in the smoker, I rubbed it down with salt and pepper. I rubbed it down with salt and pepper. And, and I think that's huge because I was not thinking as I was eating the brisket later, I was not thinking, man, that sure is great salt. I was thinking, man, this is pretty good brisket. I like this. This tastes good. Because the job of salt is not to make you think about how great the salt is, but rather how great that which has come in contact with it. Dear church, let me tell you. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. The flavor of God is all around us and we are here to enhance that flavor so that those around us who don't know Jesus Christ in a personal way can taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. That's why we're here. He doesn't need us. He desires us to accomplish his task here, but he doesn't need us. We need him. And we point to his greatness, not ours. See, being the church today means that we will bring a beauty, a fragrance and flavor to the life of the community that is going to be wholesome and helpful it means that we're not going to bring a flavor that is condemning. That's not our job. Our job is not to condemn sinners. That's the Holy Spirit's job. He's the one who leads them in conviction of the truth in their life. Our job is not to be hateful towards those who don't know Christ. Our job is to be loving towards them. Our job is not to be selfish about what we can acquire. Our job is to be giving it away so that they might know there is an awesome God who loves them. Amen. That's our job. You know, salt was used as an antiseptic. It was a cleansing agent similar to what we might use for peroxide or you know, rubbing alcohol, what those do today. So when the church is functioning as it should, it will perform a cleansing and antiseptic function in the community. Maybe the reason we don't see that is we're not functioning as salt 
in our community. See, salt was used primarily as a preserver from decay. You know, Jesus and his disciples were close to the Sea of Galilee, and all around them was fishing. There was a fishing industry. And when the newly caught fish were not used or sold immediately, the fishermen would salt them, or they would put them in a brine to preserve them. And I would say that when the church is truly the church, when we are being the church today, it will preserve the moral, the spiritual, and the cultural life of the community from decline and decay. You know, when things decay, they fall apart. When a living creature dies, it can no longer support its cell structure, so the body begins to decompose. It falls apart. What we are seeing in our society today is we're seeing our society fall apart. We're seeing our marriages fall apart. We're seeing our families fall apart. We're seeing our law and our order fall apart. The basic institutions of our society are on the extinction list. Listen, we don't own culture. And we don't rule it. We serve it. We serve it with broken-hearted joy and long-suffering mercy for the good of humanity and for the glory of Jesus Christ. But you see, there's this decay going all around us. This falling apart. Where's the salt? We need to put some salt on it. We need some believers who are willing to step up and say, I will be salt and light. I will live a life that pleases my Lord. You see, salt is a silent but positive force. Salt doesn't make an outward display. You know, this, this great, when it enters the room, it doesn't make this great display. And it, it doesn't blow a trumpet concerning its presence. But isn't that how it is with us? If we do something that might have already been our duty, we want a pat on the back. We want somebody to send us a note and say thank you. We want all the accolades, but we really don't want to put in the effort to be salt and light. Amen. See, being the church today in our American culture doesn't end our influence, but it should take the swagger out of it. Because things are so evil, because things are falling apart, it should be with humility that we serve those around us. Not saying, well, look at us. Look how good we are. Look how righteous we are. Hogwash. With the humility that we could bring, we ought to be serving those in the community around us and saying, I just want to tell you about the love that God has for you. He doesn't care where you've been. He cares where you're headed. Amen. See, we shouldn't get cranky with people because our country has changed. 
We shouldn't whine about the evil uh, that, that is triumphing. We shouldn't get hardened with anger. Because we understand. We understand that this is how it was in the beginning. Think about it. The empire was not just degenerate, it was deadly. You think about Antioch, you think about Corinth, you think about Athens, you think about Rome and how the Christian movement began. We have three explosive centuries that Christians paid for their Christ-exalting joy with blood. Many still do. And I guarantee it, more will. See, we still need that preserving influence in a decaying world. But you know, Jesus, he gives us a, a warning here concerning possible calamity. I mean, we can't change what we are. But we can waste what we are. I mean, this isn't a matter of salvation, but it's definitely a matter of our witness. Of what we are showing the world about who we are. I mean, what do you do with chewing gum that loses its flavor, that loses its taste? Do not tell me you're going to put it right under your chair. Because I will send our cleaning ladies on you. You don't want to mess with them, trust me. Most of the time, when the chewing gum loses its flavor, what we do is we, hopefully, we put it in a piece of paper and throw it away. We get rid of it. Some people just throw it out. And other people walk on it and they get it on the bottom of their shoe. When something loses its essential quality and fails to perform its essential duty, it is no longer fit for anything, according to Jesus, but to be cast aside. Do you like things that don't work? See, if we're going to be salt, then we have to function as salt. Jesus points out the possibility of salt losing its saltiness. That's not a good thing. To become more and more like the world around us is not a good thing if we're supposed to be preserving, if we're supposed to be that antiseptic, if we're supposed to be those who are, who are bringing about healing. It's not good if we become just like the rest. Amen. See, when this happens, it's of absolutely... No value. This salt that lost its saltiness was dumped on the roadway so that it wouldn't kill the crops. But also they would walk under, it would be crushed under the, the feet, the foot traffic, if you will. Jesus used this powerful illustration to warn his disciples against the peril of losing their Christian witness and their Christian influence. See, as followers of Jesus, our courage, our obedience, our hope, 
our cheerfulness, our kindness, our love, it brings a new flavor into this world, into this life. Maybe a flavor that others need to engage. I mean, if Christianity was ice cream, Robert, I know you like ice cream. If Christianity, oh, you do too, all right. If Christianity was like ice cream, what flavor would you be? You know, vanilla? Rocky Road? Or maybe like Ben and Jerry's uh, hazed and confused. But what does your Christianity look like and what does it taste like to the world around you? Because salt can lose its saltiness, it can also lose its saltiness in isolation. See, sometimes the busyness of life comes in and we neglect assembling together ourselves. We drop out. We think, well, I'm just too busy this weekend or man, it's a nice day. I might go out to the lake or I might do this or hey, there's family coming in. And I understand family responsibilities as anybody does. But the bottom line is this. Most of the time we do exactly what we want to do. We do what we purpose in our heart to do. When you separate the crystalline grains of salt from each other, they lose saltiness. The same is true of the disciples of the Lord who separate themselves from the fellowship of other believers and they walk either in disobedience or maybe it's not disobedience in their mind, but maybe it's indifference. Maybe they just don't care. Or maybe it's they walk in non-involvement. You know what? I'm just going to take a step back. From what? Being salt and light? I'm going to take a step back. I, I just need some time to process all this that's going in my life. No, if there's junk going on in your life, you need the, the encouragement of fellow believers to walk through that junk with you. Amen. Because saltiness can be lost in isolation. Salt can also lose its saltiness by contaminating contact with other substances. I mean, think about it. If dirt or sawdust or some other substance is mixed with salt, it's not very appetizing. We don't want it any longer. And if we don't want it, it's not going to be able to complete its unique function. See, believers are then put on guard against letting attitudes and ambitions enter their hearts that would contaminate their lives, destroying their influence and preventing them from being the distinctive followers of Jesus Christ. See, for, it's easy for us to let our moral standards lapse. Because in this country... It seems as anything goes. So it's easy for us to let our moral standards lapse. It's easy for us to take care of ourselves. 
instead of serving others. Oh, I got all this stuff going on in my life right now, Ridge. I get it. So do I. And so does everyone in this building. They got stuff going on in their life. It's easy for us to lose our saltiness. But if we really want to have a moral influence on the world, the biblical way to do that is to actually live moral lives ourselves. What are you saying, Ridge? You saying I got to stop sinning? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. The choices that we are making are not for the kingdom of God. They're for me and only me, and I'll do it however I want. And that's not what it means to be a kingdom person. And when the salt loses its saltiness, it's no good for anything except to be trampled on by the feet of men. That's what Jesus said, and that's where we're at. The reason the church doesn't have a message in our world today is because our moral failures are speaking louder than anything we could possibly do for them. And until we get that in right, until we get that in line and and put right, we're going to continue to get trampled under the feet of men. I mean, if we're to retain our true saltiness, And to perform our true ministry, then we're going to have to stay close to these beatitudes and let Jesus be the Lord of our life. I mean, we must make a positive influence. If we're going to have that positive response, we're going to to have to respond to the, the cleansing fire of the Holy Spirit and let him take away all of that dross that we would submit ourselves to that refiner's fire. And allow the the fire of the Holy Spirit to bring us to a place of repentance. But we don't like that. Because it's painful. It's painful for us to repent of the sin in our lives. Because it brings about a brokenness in our heart. When we realize that we have offended Almighty God. When we realize that that we just took and spit on, on, on the cross of Jesus Christ. When we realize that we have made it of none effect in our life because we have not separated ourselves and allowed him to be the Lord of our life. We've lost our saltiness. I said earlier that it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict the world Concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. John 16, 8. It says, and he, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Our job is to love them. Our job is to be salt and light and to bring about healing. His job is to convict them of sin. His job is to convict them of unrighteousness. Not mine, not yours. It's his job. And the Holy Spirit, he can do his job apart from us. Sometimes we're just standing in the way. But you know, putting a lump of salt on your tongue will intensify your thirst for water. 
Being a genuine follower of Jesus Christ will cause your life to function as the salt that creates the thirst for the living water, which is only found in Jesus Christ. I love what Paul said in Colossians 4, 6. He says, let your speech. He says, let your speech. Always be with grace. When they mess your order up at the restaurant, let your speech always be with grace. When somebody cuts you off on the highway, let your speech be with grace. Let your speech always be with grace as those seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. We need that grace. I need that grace. You need that grace. We all need that grace so that we would know how to respond to people when the world acts like the world. When lost people act like they're unsaved because they are. We need to be seasoned with grace. See, salt performs many functions. But salt does not have the power to give new life. Only Jesus can do that. You can't save anybody. I can't save anybody. But what we witnessed today was people who are dying to themselves, being buried with Christ, being raised to walk in a new life. And that is only something that Jesus could do. To be able to see that and to be a part of that is a huge blessing. See, the Holy Spirit will use the witness of those who are the salt of the earth to create a thirst in the hearts of unbelievers. See, apart from His church, our Lord has no other plan to reach His creation. We are it. We are the plan in order to see others come to Him. The salt of the earth does not mock, it, do, it does not reflect rotting meat. If we look a lot like the world, maybe there's a problem. See, the salt of the earth, where it can, it heals, it saves, it seasons, and where it can't, it weeps. I just hope you don't take this sermon with a grain of salt. Because that's what happens a lot of times. We hear a challenging word and we walk out the doors and we go back into our lives and it never has any effect on us. You know, I, my prayer is that each of us in our character, in our integrity, in our moral behavior. As salt of the earth, we would be found to be worth our salt. To be worthy of the price that Christ paid for each of us. Amen. You're the salt of the earth.